And there it is, the thunderous kaboom you've been waiting for, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who drops the spice like Taylor Swift drops a new album. The Spice Man himself, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello. I got I'm, bad uh, news, Christian. I knew it. Oh, no. Stupidest spice lattes. He couldn't make it tonight. It's just me. The Spice Man. Uh, no. We have lost so many listeners because of the Spice Man. But uh, I blew out their That's right. Pumpkin spice. Yeah, all the month of October, the Spice Man has been <laughs> been littering littering his uh, spice infused uh, tones into the show, and it is woof. It's rough. Uh, can we talk to Christian, please, and have the Spice Man go away? I mean, I guess so, but he's not quite <laughs> yeah, as excited. Polarizing figure, polarizing figure, the Spice Man. No, fear not, though, friends and listeners. Uh, we will be having a, uh, a show all about video games, and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because, once again, DLC stands for Discussions with Lucas from Canada. Oh. Because all the, way, all the way from the Great White North and EPN TV, we have a video game legend, my friend, Mr. Victor Lucas. Hey, Vic. Hi. I, I can't believe what has transpired here in the last two minutes. I feel like I feel like you guys have become a, a wrestling show since the last time I was on this show. Oh yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> I know you. Uh, you have regrets, but you are you're you're committed at this point. We've already introduced you. You can't no, leave now. No regrets. I am entertained. <laughs> I was trying to uh, not laugh out loud through that whole thing. Your music was awesome. I was dancing to that, and uh, I, I love Spicer or a spicy guy. He was awesome. <laughs> It's going to mean a whole new thing with the Dune. No uh, one ser- loves the Spice Man. Everybody gets him. Yeah, that's it. his shtick is how much he's despised. Uh, yes, I actually listened back. You were way back, way back on episode fourteen. Oh Vic, my god! Oh, I actually wow. listened to a little of the beginning, and and the the show starts, and I'm like, "Hello, and welcome to DLC." Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, we've uh, we've we've you, you know we've gotten you more the ladies back then. You yeah, know, the muffin yeah. ladies from uh, SNL back then. Yeah, yeah now we are. Nice we're show. so we're so desperate for attention. We will we will shout at you <laughs> and uh, have well, goofy characters. It's working. What what episode are we on now? What how far have you guys? This gotten is three hundred seven. Oh, very good. That is yeah. fantastic. Congratulations, and hey, guys, it's an honor to be back. I really yeah. appreciate it. It's been too long, so let's uh, let's jump into the show. We got lots to talk about this week: video game news, video games. It's an awesome time of year to talk video games. So let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks hanging out there. I, I suggest you give us a shot. Check out the, the community. Become a part of it. Uh, but Vic, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, I, I mean, we've got to go with next-gen consoles, I think, here, right? The uh, the Xbox and the PlayStation 5, both sort of heavily leaning into streaming technology, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. We got a, a report uh, this week, got some information um, from an inside source, evidently, uh, an unnamed developer that is said to have access to some of the uh, developer kits that are circulating for the next gen of consoles, which are right around the corner, uh, and revealed that the PS5's code name is supposedly Prospero, which is a very cool Shakespearean name. Uh, and uh, there is actually even some renders and mock-ups of what this thing is supposed to look like, which is pretty wild looking. I, I will be very surprised if the the actual you know retail unit looks like these renders, but... It looks like this crazy horseshoe-shaped thing with a divot in the center. It looks like a cup holder, to be honest with you. Uh, like <laughs> it looks it, crazier it, than it, the uh, George Foreman grill that they had for the PlayStation 3. <laughs> right, for sure. Yeah, this is, does, definitely continues the food theme. It looks like it'll uh, you know warm your coffee mug or something. But I think it looks pretty pretty darn cool. I don't I – mean, who knows if this will be what it actually looks like. But um, we also heard, as you said, that both of these systems uh, not only – are all about you know streaming games to to you, but are all about you streaming your content out into the world. So both systems evidently are going to be coming with a camera, and um, supposedly Microsoft's camera for Scarlet, codenamed Scarlet, is so good that it can do uh, 4K video and also live uh, real time snap Snapchat style. Uh, replacing your backgrounds, matching you, like putting you into a, a similar background of the game so it looks seamless, like you're just, you know, part of the game world and matches the in-game lighting. So all these cool effects. Vic, what do you think about this? I mean, clearly we are in the streaming future as far as people wanting to stream their games to others. What do you think about consoles embracing this? I think that's the, you know, I, I know it's kind of a controversial subject because people are really up in arms about uh, ownership and um, sort of the traditional, uh, you know, collectability of video games. And that's really changing quickly before us. But I don't think they have another way to go. You know, I, I feel like this current generation of consoles was um, a bit of a shocker how successful uh, both uh, Sony and Nintendo have been. Um, and there were some pretty big gambles made, uh, but they've paid off. Uh, but there was a lot of speculation that this was going to be the last console generation. So I feel like this next one that we're about to enter into um, is going to face its toughest competition ever with uh, Google Stadia and with smartphones receiving, you know, streaming s subscription services to, you know, all you can eat smorgasbords of games. Um, and I think that the consoles do have to provide similar kinds of services. I mean, there's some pretty incredible things that we can do on our cell phones now. Uh, so it, it feels like there's a lot of uh, smart uh, pulling of technology that's existing, incorporating it into a console and making it you know, as easy to use as this current generation has been for sharing content to YouTube and Twitch. 
um, yeah. but taking it to the next level, which they they have to do. Plus this idea of uh, um, allowing you access to your content no matter where you go. And more importantly, I think than anything, we're seeing that in this generation as well is allowing you access to your friends, no matter what machine they have. Right, right. Yeah, that's huge. And I think that is going to be, I think it's going to be the kind of thing where, you know, like when the first Xbox came out and it was, you know, um, broadband only and everybody's like, what? And then just a few years later, it was like, oh yeah, no, that's totally normal. I feel like that's going to be the same thing with cross-play where it's going to yeah. be, we're going to forget there was a time when you didn't have cross-play. It's just going to seem like it was obvious all along, you know? Um, but my question to you, Vic, about this in particular, this, this you know, being coming equipped with a camera on a console is, I think it makes sense when people use their PCs to stream games because you're generally sitting really close to a PC. You're really sitting close to where a camera would be positioned. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that there was a, a challenge with consoles to do the same because a lot of people put a console under the big TV in the tel- in the in the living room where there isn't really a convenient place to put a camera. Yeah. What do you think the solution there is? I think it has to be a, a wireless camera that that, yeah. that can st- you know magnetically clip to the machine or or uh, be taken off and sit on a shelf. Um, and also, the machines have to look good enough that you'd want them near a TV if they are going to lock them to the machine, yeah. uh, which does seem a bit crazy. Um, and the cameras, like if they are locked to the machine, the cameras need to be positional in some way. They need to kind of rotate or spin or uh, tilt to where a person might be sitting. Um, or track to that, you know, presumably with a 4K uh, image, they're they're capturing a lot of information. So maybe they just zoom in on the frame, like we saw with the with the uh, uh, the last Xbox stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, nothing shocking with any of this stuff. I think one of the things that they're probably trying to do is open the door because you know we're we're anticipating ray tracing and 4K at 60 frames per second locked and every single title sort of hitting those marks and the, and the SSDs providing super fast loading times and great access to lots of content streaming from uh, these machines. But I feel like they also need to open the door to um, uh, 8K services and, and sort of partner because consoles always do that, right? They, they get us thinking about not just bringing that game system into the home, but also all the ancillary equipment that we're going to need to buy to best showcase and utilize the horsepower that these new machines have. And I think 8K streaming is um, our inevitable future. Right. 8K streaming and, and uh, wall, uh, you know, televisions that are wall size. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite line from this uh, article is uh, the computational power is also said to be the largest jump ever between generations. Amazing. So that's exciting. Uh, Christian, that did you very get a, cool. Christian, did you get a chance to see the, uh, the render of the potential PS5? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm very excited for next gen. I think my biggest questions are stuff that uh, Victor alluded to with we're on the precipice of um, this big push into streaming. And I get that. And yes, I've seen your emails. Sony fans are yelling. PlayStation has been doing it for like five years now or whatever it was with PlayStation now. But it's it's this idea of if I buy a game, let, let's just get rid of the single player only games. So like, oh, my game can go away. I want to get rid of that argument. Let's say I'm buying an, a game that's online anyway, and the game can you know disappear regardless of if I own it on a disc or not. Like it requires online servers. If I'm going to buy that game, do I buy it on my console or do I buy it on some streaming cloud service where 
it potentially is the best version ever because it can have a million consoles running it, you know, like a million instances everywhere and get all the rays and all the who's what's it's. And I don't care about teraflops because it's a room full of servers that are running this. I think this next console gen is going to be a very, very interesting one. Even if it ends up being that nothing really changes, I still think that <laughs> is very interesting and very telling about infrastructure and what the U.S. can handle or North America can handle in terms of of game streaming, but well, I think the, I, I mean just jump in ahead. there really quick because I think um, I think that's an open question, right? I mean, Google has stated with their Stadia, they have said that they that that will be the case that they're gonna you know you're gonna have this this off the charts computational power and GPU power because they're they're leveraging the cloud, and I'm not saying that they're being inaccurate about that, but we haven't seen how that actually. It is weird that it's coming so soon too. And we don't really have all of that answered, but here's what I think, right? Like Google is not entering into this uh, field lightly. And I think that in their back pocket, they have relationships with the fiber um, companies and they are going to be investing heavily to sort of thread the network. And this, this is a, um, you know, this is a strategic decision on their part to get into this space. They totally recognize that, you know, video games are not going to go anywhere but up. And I think one of the biggest problems that that we, um, as as the devout, as the people that are already converted and love video games, we we kind of fail to recognize that most people don't give a crap about video games. Most humans don't care. And what Google's betting on. And in, to a degree, what Tommy Tellerico and, and Intellivision are betting on is that there's a huge audience of people out there that would care if you made, A, in, in Television's case, content for them, but in Stadia's case, um, content available to them. And right. I think one of, one of the greatest barriers of entry that we've got with video game entertainment is the idea that we've got to walk into a store and buy a machine that most it's that isn't made for most people right you know? and these i think consoles, we've, these consoles haven't been able to really crack that hundred million mark in the the whole history of the medium you know right. if they do it's a massive like oh my god look at this success i think the playstation 4 did it i think playstation 2 maybe the nes got there but that that seems to be the threshold whereas if you look at um you know, the saturation of a film or the saturation of, uh, uh, you know, a Netflix show or something like that. We're, we're hovering closer to a billion. Right. And, I think, and that's where games can go. Uh, clearly. I think, I think the, the mobile market has proven that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, that's why I wish Google's messaging was just play the best video games on things you already have. Like yeah. that, it just seems so obvious and clear if they just made that the central point of Stadia. Stadia allows you to play games on what you already own, and they look yeah. great. You know that yeah. it just it, it seems so muddled and and um it, it doesn't seem as clear to that billion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, nothing ever launches with clarity, though. Nothing. None of these machines ever have. I mean, the, I think the, the maybe the biggest shocker was uh, the Switch. And that could have been a disaster, you know, like when it was announced that all these pieces would come apart and, you know, you could put this here and slap that into there. And, and, and but then they had the perfect piece of software with Zelda. You know, I don't I don't think they could have you couldn't have scripted that better. 
that was just the perfect piece of software to show off, you know, the power of that platform. But I think mo- most of these systems really, um, they struggle out of the gate. And that seems to be like historically with video games. And, I, you know, I think the, the probably the closest analogy is what Netflix did. You know, like Netflix floundered around. They were trying to get into the blockbuster business. You know, oh, they sure, were, yeah. And get a disc in the mail. Yeah, and they were, it took them a while to kind of figure out their, uh, you know, their their place in the world, you know. And I think Google is is going to take a, a big chunk of this access to people through the Internet. I think Amazon's probably going to enter. I think, uh, okay. you know, Apple Arcade, I don't know how much you guys have played around with it, but it's a pretty impressive low-key launch from Apple. And the fact that you can play those games on phone, Apple TV, iPad, or your Mac, uh, you know, with that $5 a month account, it's, it's pretty cool. But I, yeah. I, I, here's something to throw out at you. Okay. Um, I, I think that Spider-Man is the singular, the, the insomniac Spider-Man, I think it's the singular greatest piece of video game entertainment software that could have crossed over so that it would have convinced anyone to pick up a controller and get lost in it. Partially based on the prop popularity of the character, but also on 20 or 10 years of, uh, MCU, um, you know, pop culture branding. Right. And if you handed a controller to someone and said, now you can be Spider-Man and they experience that they would be converted, but it didn't get to that because you had to have a PlayStation four. Now um, imagine if on stadia, they lock up, um, a Robert Pattinson Batman game developed by Rocksteady. So it's it dovetails on the marketing and the hoopla and the hype that's going to be a part of that that movie when that comes out, and you can play it anywhere because you have a ten dollar a month Stadia account. Well, you won't even need that ten dollar a month Stadia account. I think that's the biggest problem that Stadia is having is that it's messaging. Yeah. I mean, if it is one of their included games, like Destiny Two is launching with um, the Founder Edition, but the whole basic premise of it is you're still buying games and yeah from time to time there'll be a free game a month or something like that but it's not a subscription service they haven't announced that side of it right all you yeah. pay for with stadia right. is better quality quality streaming and better quality sound i believe or 4k right. resolution right. Yeah. yeah um that's what they've I think sold, the, that's what they've sold it to us though here's what i think they're going to do i think they're going to um you know, convince people that it works, which will be all of us storytellers. You know, they, we're all skeptical sitting on the sidelines. Prove it. So they'll fi- they'll convince us that it works. But in the background, they are chasing tons of um, uh, archive deals. And so included in your membership with Stadia, you will get free new games. But like so, like Nintendo's offering with all the NES and or, and Super Nintendo games. I think Stadia is going to be locking down huge libraries of software. I think they're 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 not saying they're the Netflix of games, but um, I don't think they're going to you know sort of carve out all that bandwidth and uh, and and sort of uh, awareness and not become the Netflix of video games. I think that's exactly what they're going to try to do. Netflix, in the sense of having a large back yeah. catalog, not yeah. necessarily in having original content. Both. Both. I think yeah. I think I mean they've they've opened a studio in Vancouver. They've got uh, yeah. Jade, Jade running stuff out of uh, out of Montreal. Uh, I mean you don't hire Phil Harrison and Jade Raymond and and uh, a few you know there's a few other people over there that, that are full on vets that have worked for massive companies and and produced lots of huge games. The fact that Phil Harrison is there alone 
is exciting as hell to me. That, that's a guy that has, uh, you know, uh, through his course of uh, work at PlayStation and then later Microsoft, he's uncovered so many teams and, you know, has facilitated the development of so many incredible games in, in, the, in the history of video games. I don't think he's messing around. And I also feel like he is, uh, you know, he's at a, at a point in his career where he's he's going to show what he's capable of with Google's backing. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, you make great points. You, you talked about how, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild was the perfect launch title for Switch that proved the 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 usability of the platform and, and was just this, you know, killer app. And I I hope that Google is smart enough to understand that their original programming, so to speak, their exclusive content that they're funding has that same opportunity to do that for the, their their platform and say, hey, you know, here's how you leverage the power of the cloud. Here's all the teraflops that we offer at work. Here's all the, you know, here's what makes this platform special because these people designed specifically for it. And I just, we haven't seen that yet. And I hope nope. we do. Yeah. 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 Me too. All I right. think if done right, though, there, there there's so many w- different ways they could message. The, a huge part of the platform, too, is no installs, no patch, no time yeah, to wait instant, for a system update, yeah. instant play. You're watching right now. Here I am streaming this on Twitch or I guess on YouTube. You yeah. want to play it? Click this button. Now you're playing it. Like That's going to be massive. Off, that that yes. right there alone will be a huge shot in the arm for the whole service because yes. it's, it's literally like – I mean, and they're they're planning to do stuff like, hey, Christian and I are playing a game. We need six more people. Click this button and you will instantly join our game. You don't have to download the game. You don't even have to own it. We're allowing six people to play with us right now. That's I mean, crazy. That kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. going to be a whole new ballgame. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to work and, and they, have, they have a lot to prove. But uh, I, I think conceptually, everybody that, that knows this technology and loves games can I mean, we can all see the writing on the wall. Yeah. I mean, For sure. we, yes. we, we, we never would have believed that Netflix would have killed television. You know, <laughs> we never would have believed that when it first launched, but now it's, everybody's getting into the game, you know, like it, it's, but it, also led to a, it led to a golden age of television. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think yeah. I'm, I, Christian, and I've talked about this before that that same potential is there in our industry, you know? Totally. Yes. All right. Uh, awesome. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, some, some New York Comic Con is yeah. probably over by the time you're listening to this, but it it, it happened and is happening um, as we're recording this. I guess maybe it's wrapped already, but uh, some Marvel news came out of it, specifically to Marvel's Avengers. We got uh, – there's estimates now from – coming out of the conferences, I don't quite know if this was a question directly answered, but – some preview saying the single player campaign is about 10 to 12 hours. But I think more importantly, they revealed Miss um, Marvel. Kamala Khan has announced as playable and as a fairly important role um, and among Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man, Black Widow, Thor, and those. Now with like the collector's edition they showed the picture of, she is featured prominently in like the big picture that you get that's part of that bundle and it appears as if she is a major um addition to this roster which i think is super exciting and i think fits potentially thematically with what the game was trying to do with oh you know they've kind of been broken apart and they're all a little demoralized where here you have the biggest fan of superheroes in in the marvel universe who is not only a superhero herself but manages to inspire others by her 
sheer love of what she does and her enjoyment of being able to be part of that, I think could be a really, really cool um, addition to, to this game. And I'm curious how it changes the tone, which seems so serious and so somber, um, and like kind of vanilla, you know, third person action game. And that to me is not Miss Marvel, you know? Interesting. Yeah, that that's a, an interesting take on it. I I am intrigued and I love the fact that this character is in the game and a big part of the game. Um it's a really cool character. Just like her her powers are stretchy and exaggerated and very cartoonish in the comics. Uh and I think seeing that in 3D in a realistic, you know, Unreal Engine style visual is going to be really cool and very different. You know, I feel like it's going to play different than the other, uh, you know, traditional Avengers five that we're, you know, we're going to get. Um, so that is, is really cool, but it's interesting. I hadn't really considered your take too of like tonally how she differs, but the game, you know, is tackling a, a kind of, I don't know how dark it is, but it's a relatively somber idea of the team breaking up. And, you know, I mean, we've, that's been revealed. That was revealed at E3 that this whole idea of there being a post Avengers moment. And then, you know, as you play, it's all about sort of reassembling the team. So, you know, maybe she does fit right into what they're, what they're talking about. And they're talking about her being sort of key in, in getting the team back together, which is pretty cool. Um, Vic, what's your take on this? I assume you've, uh, you've, seen this you saw it at e3 yeah. and other places yeah. yeah no i'm fired up i um i feel like uh i mean it's an incredibly important property for uh, uh square enix um the crystal dynamics and idos montreal um but also for marvel games which is really proving itself right now you know they have I, I i'm a big fan of what they did with marvel ultimate alliance and nintendo and and uh um team ninja i think they did a great job with it it's it's kind of comfort food but it was super fun yeah. and spider-man was my favorite game last year I just, I happen to, I, I love superhero video games. You know, I feel like with video games as a medium, we are often playing superheroes, but they're sure. just, they're just not branded superheroes. And yeah. we are inundated with um, incredible entertainment around superheroes today, which I never could have, you know, predicted as a, as a kid growing up collecting comics. I can't believe, like I live in the city where Literally, there are maybe 40 people in superhero costumes running around shooting their shows right now. <laughs> right. And, 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 and I run into them sometimes, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> what, what the hell happened? Like, yeah. how did this become reality? Yeah. But, no, that's, but, I had that thought this week when uh, Wendy's released a tabletop role-playing game. I'm like, yeah. what universe is this? <laughs> Well, let me explain it, Vic. Well, one, your city is very clean and has a lot of nice skyscrapers and actually more alleys than New York City has, which people mistakenly believe is full of alleys, but that's actually mostly shot in Canada. Two, tax <laughs> incentives. You see, Hollywood and New York are very – oh, you didn't mean like literally. How does it – I got it. <laughs> Sometimes I prefer the Spice Man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so what's <laughs> – than the, uh, than the lawyer man or whatever that was. Is, is Spice Man a playable in the Avengers? Uh, oh, please, man. No, no please uh, don't. Dear, Dear Marvel, if you yeah. want. <laughs> well, here's my thought on all of this. I, I feel like we've got superheroes everywhere we turn, but not enough in video games. And um, I think Arkham opened the door. I think that was a shock. Everybody was not anticipating that series to be as uh, um, good. <laughs> good, good, but also um, influential as it yeah, was, yeah. you know. 
And now we're all waiting to find out more. But I had a, actually at, at Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con last year, I had a, a conversation with one of the, the executive producers at a, at a um, game company. And because and, and I want more, you know, I want more superhero games. And, and if we're entering the, the space of having like a standalone Black Panther and Wonder Woman movies and, and uh, Ant-Man and uh, Shang-Chi, all these other different types of characters. It's like, well, like, why can't we have standalone game? Like, I would love an awesome Iron Fist game, you know, but yeah. we aren't there yet. And it's partially because we don't have the developers to hit those marks. We don't have a lot of insomniacs in the video game industry and or rock steadies you know like or or we we need companies that are at that pedigree and uh i, I want to get there and i think games like uh, the avengers if it's handled right crystal d is certainly of that pedigree um i i also feel like if it's not feeling because this is the this is the really important period right the team has been working hard to make something work and now presumably they're in sort of early alpha and they've got a playable of of what they've got and they're really determining how fun it is so whether it's going to launch early in the new year or not is kind of i think really tied to this next couple of months i feel like if they need more time they're going to get it and that can only mean a good thing but i have a lot of faith in this this massive group of people you know they did great work with tomb raider they did great work on deus ex and um marvel um is there for massive support and you know, it's going to be loaded with, you know, character content and maybe out of this, um, there will be lots of great ancillary standalone experiences. But I also feel like dovetailing on the combo that we had with, uh, about the Google Stadia and streaming and all that stuff. As we get into less, uh, walled gardens where people can access these games in a much, much broader way, that's also going to mean that, I think people will double down on event games. They're not going to double down on, um, you know, uh, looter shooters or, um, you know, Dota type experiences. They're going to try to get people to talk about games in the same way that they talk about Game of Thrones. And and those games are going to be the marquee games that are going to get people to sign up on subscriptions. And that's going to be very exciting because suddenly – um, we're going to start to see the rise, I think, again, of um, 200 person, triple A, super talented studios. And, uh, and, uh, and honestly, I, I, as somebody that made years and years of television content, and was trying to kind of crack through on the discussion around all of this stuff. It was always those kinds of games that made the most sense to talk to a mass audience. Yeah. It's not, it's not even, um, uh, you know, Fortnite, it's, it, it, that stuff doesn't really penetrate to people that aren't, that don't have the kids that are, are totally addicted to it, you know? Right. It's, it, but if you show somebody, uh, uh, moments of, of Uncharted or The Last of Us or Spider-Man or God of War, anybody that sees that work is going to go, oh my God, video games are like this. And I think that's, that's, you know, and you couple that with some, uh, well-known superheroes and the potential to build some of that stuff up. It'd be incredible. I hope yeah, you're right, but I think you're wrong, Vic. Yeah. I think the success of Fortnite and Minecraft show that that isn't correct. And I think video game, uh, it's like Spider-Man and God of War and these superhero games are too complicated for most people to grok. Not that Fortnite isn't complicated, mm. but it doesn't need to be to start. Um, I think those I are think- more complicated, but people 
move to them and get sucked in by them. But we haven't entered a, a space where we have had an accessible character and no barrier to entry. We haven't really entered into that that kind of thing, um, except in mobile, you know, where Marvel Contest of Champions is arguably one of the biggest successes in, in mobile gaming history. Um, but I, we're, we're entering into territory that we don't know yet, you know, but I, I feel honestly, as somebody that, that put a lot of stories together around this stuff, I, I could feel and get feedback from, you know, broadcasters and stuff. They would see footage of, uh, of, uh, uncharted or, or, uh, you know, Deus Ex to a degree, like these big story based games and you could kind of put the narrative together and you go, I, I want to enter into that world, you know? But then I think a big, a big block for a lot of people was like, Oh, I got to go to, I got to go to GameStop and spend $500 on equipment to be able to play that. And it's 80 bucks or, you know, there's a lot of these like luxury item, um, quotation marks around video games, which I think are about to drop off. It's interesting. It's an interesting debate. And I find myself sitting, listening to you guys thinking, you know, there, we are coming to a point, we may have already reached that point where it's, it's like arguing about what's the more compelling entertainment, an NBA basketball game or, you know, the Joker movie, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like Fortnite and last of us two, they're the same medium, mm-hmm. but they're barely totally different. The, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. You know, it's like yeah. th- there are games that are sort of That's mechanically, yeah, mechanically yeah. challenging and about competition and about, you know, their sport and, uh, and they're accessible sport that, that a lot of people can play and enjoy, but it's a wholly different experience playing the last of us two or, you know, or equivalent to their right. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if the analogy is that that Stadia becomes HBO Go or uh, Netflix, they're going to be focusing, I think, on story-based exclusives that look incredible, that don't, you know, y- you can pick up any controller and have any screen in the house and it'll work. And the esports slanted stuff or the uh, persistent, um, you know, like, uh, microtransaction based kind of stuff will will sort of move into more uh, or competition based stuff like Overwatch will move into more kind of free to play territory and be a lot like sports and probably have lots of branded deals and and um, and these arenas fill up and and both will coexist. I think you're absolutely correct. I also want to mention that uh, as you you talked about um, you know these sort of single hero games. The New York Comic Con also revealed the release date for the Iron Man VR game, which yes. I'm very excited about, uh, February 28th. So uh, hopefully that doesn't get swallowed up in the you know giant swirl of of Last of Us Two having come out like just a few days beforehand. But <laughs> I'm I'm very excited for that game, uh, PS VR exclusive. That's uh, uh, that's my pal Ryan Payton who um, yes. worked at Kojima when uh, we on Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I think he was there for three and uh, Metal Gear Four, and we worked with him for many many hours when we did the behind the scenes. And uh, I got to know him really well, and he's a wonderful wonderful guy. I'm yes, so happy I, for him. I know him as well. Yes, uh, very very cool team over there too. Um, all right, my story of the week. I mean. I think it's big news that Red Dead Redemption 2 is finally coming to PC on November 5th, but that's 
about the beginning and the end of that story. It's coming. We knew it was coming to PC eventually. Rockstar has their own launcher now. So you knew that was coming. Uh, So it's happening November 5th. My real story, uh, because I think this is a much more juicy topic and I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, Call of Duty Mobile came out and it's actually a pretty interesting game. Christian and I have been talking about it uh, a lot. And uh, an interesting thing happened just a couple of days after it launched on Android and iOS. Uh, iOS has pretty prominently been saying, hey, you can now use controllers on, on your iPad and your uh, on your iPhone. You can use Xbox controllers and PlayStation controllers. It works pretty great. Well, shortly after launch, like a day after Call of Duty Mobile launched, they patched out support for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One controllers. And some gamers, some players said, uh, hey, did you guys accidentally do that? And the developer said, no, 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 we don't want you to play with those anymore. <laughs> uh, Activision was like, um, no, we did that on purpose. And uh, controllers are no longer supported. It's touchscreen only. So what do you make of this? Is it about maintaining a level playing field? Or do you think this is a, a bummer? Vic, what do you think? I, I think it's competition based. I think this is, um, you know, presumably the beginning of a, a long run for these guys, and to, to try to get into the esports scene for mobile. Um, and they need a level playing field. They need they need everybody to to be controlling the game the same way, or it's not fair for the competition that is definitely a part of this thing. I mean, it's it's a very streamlined uh, multiplayer focused game, and I think I, I think it sucks, but I think it's fair. Yeah. yeah. Christian, I know you've been putting a, a lot of time into this game and you actually like it quite a bit. What do you make of this development? Yeah, I mean, so you can play it on PC via Tencent's Game Loop and that's mouse and keyboard or controller if you really wanted to. And I believe in that instance, they have their own matchmaking um, for that. And so my gut is that just the, at some point, controller support will come back. It will have its own matchmaking or way to kind of keep those people against those other people or you can opt into it if you want same thing happened with Fortnite, where controller support was there before it was supposed to be there and it went away for a while and then they reintroduced it and now if you play with a controller on mobile I, th- I believe you're uh put with console players or if you're on touch then you're kind of stuck in that area so i, I think it was just kind of a, a slip up or it launched with this thing and it, it's it will come back as my guess but it will come back and you will match against those players only I, I feel like so far dare i say it they seem to be doing a lot right <laughs> with call of duty mobile so i imagine they will continue to iterate on it and it was you know millions upon fun. millions of downloaded and yeah i think they're going to keep tinkering yeah it's pretty fun it is surprisingly fun I, if you had asked me beforehand if if it would be worth playing at all i probably would have scoffed and said no uh but they figured out a way to make it pretty darn interesting um and I, I've, ta- I've talked to a bunch of people. My my buddy is like, I don't like Call of Duty, but I play Call of Duty Mobile. I was like, that's <laughs> pretty crazy. Uh, so yeah, it's it's working. It's and it's interesting that they were just like, no, this is a mobile experience. No no controllers. Let's let's make this work. Um, and yeah, I I can understand how that's disappointing for some, but um, you know we'll see we'll see. All right. Uh, well, uh, the awesome discussion, guys. Uh, let's get on and talk about some of the games we have been playing. But first, I do need to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Oh, my goodness. I've been using Squarespace ab- about as long as I've known Vic Lucas, <laughs> which is quite, <laughs> quite a lot of years. Uh, 
Squarespace is great. If there's any reason that you need to build a website for yourself, and let's face it, at some point, everybody needs a website. Everybody needs a presence online, whether it's just to you know showcase some some of your work or do a a blog or even just like invites to a an event or or something more complex like starting an online business or using your real life business to give it a, a web presence, selling things. All of that, super easy to do on Squarespace. The tools are so simple. It's all what you see is what you get. Drag and drop. Just build it on the back of their awesome templates. You start with their templates that are designed by professionals. And then you just can you can mold it, shape it, make it your own with very, very simple tools. I always suggest this to my friends and family when they talk about needing a website because you know, it can get really expensive to hire somebody to, to code your website. And it can be annoying to try to do the HTML yourself. The tools that Squarespace gives you allow you to build something that looks very, very unique, very personal, beautiful, and they allow you to do it very, very easy. You can make it yourself. You don't have to pay somebody else. If you're ready to start your business, you just plug and play. You just drop in your e-commerce functionality. Uh, everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box. There's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. You never have to worry about stuff like that. Plus, if you run into any problems, they've got 24-7 award-winning customer support, free and secure hosting. It's awesome. So go over and check out the tools yourself. You can, you can get started by going to squarespace.com slash Me. Get your free trial. It's completely free. You don't even need to give them a credit card to start. You can build your website completely. And then when you're ready to launch, use the promo code JeffSentMe, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, that's squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe and the promo code JeffSentMe for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make it yourself. Make it beautiful. All right, it's talk, time to talk about the games that we have been playing, the games on our playlists. Vic, I know you have been playing a lot of stuff. Where would you like to start? Uh, I call this time period of the year the game volanche. Cause, uh, <laughs> yes, I, yes. I, I, I am still actively doing my reviews on the run. And, uh, uh, you know, I try to keep up on as much stuff as I possibly can. And um, so I've been playing a ton. And, and it has been a crazy period where I've done uh, Dragon Quest XI-S on the Switch, which was... Small game, phenomenal. easy to beat. <laughs> Such a big, huge, massive game. But what a phenomenal <laughs> port. I can't believe the quality of the uh, of the visuals, the 3D visuals, um, with all the, you know, the lighting and, and the detail on the characters. And it's just beautiful. You know, all the, all the uh, anime kind of infused character designs. Uh, and it runs great on a big screen. It runs great on the handheld. But then the fact that they also threw in a whole 2D mode of the entire game, which was apparently uh, the 3DS version of um, of Dragon Quest XI, that's included in the definitive edition on the Switch. Wow. And there's extra side story content and phenomenal game. Just absolutely wonderful. And it doesn't matter if you play it there, if you play it on the other machines. It's just so good. Um, and then Nino Kuni... Uh, also massive game, uh, but they made the first game, which was a PlayStation 3 game. And, and uh, back when that came out on Reviews on the Run and Judgment Day, 
actually it was just reviews on the run that we had um uh ben silverman and jose sanchez reviewed that game yeah and so i didn't i i played it this was the uh the studio ghibli um yeah uh co-developed game where they did all the art design and the and the character design I, I, I recognized the beauty of it, but I hadn't really played it. Uh, but I did play the remastered on the PlayStation 4 and, and on the Pro. And uh, they give you a couple of 4K options. You can run um, at 30 in 4K, or you can, uh, I think, you know, take the resolution hit, but run at 60 frames per second. Just staggering. Just absolutely beautiful. And the beauty of it is I've been playing it with my daughter. And, oh, uh, nice. And so, and it is... Um, uh, it, it definitely is a uh, a game that appeals to younger players, but it also has uh, some darkness and some heavy moments in there. One, of, you know, one of the main characters uh, has uh, a loved one pass away, and I had to kind of go through that with my my little seven year old kid beside me, and it was it was heavy, man. But it's uh, gorgeous, and and they did such a great job, uh, uh, you know, porting it and and making it pretty for this generation. Uh, and then I've just been playing this weekend, and I'm going to be reviewing it tomorrow. Is Trine Four, um, nice. which yeah, it's a great game, great series. It, you know, it, I don't know if you guys have ever played the Trine games, but sure. they're yeah, they're, they kind of stuck to their formula. They deviated a bit with three, which I didn't play. Uh, they went into more of a 3D kind of style because they've all been traditionally. Uh, you know, 3D assets, but on a 2D plane. Mm -hmm. And you switch between different characters and you've got to solve all of these puzzles as, as efficiently as you can. And they get pretty tricky. But uh, it, it's a wonderful conceit. And like, there hasn't really been people that have taken that concept and run with it. And so the developers, I think they're Frozen Byte or something, mm -hmm. they've stayed with this game for a long time. And I think it's great that they have, you know, there's a, there's a real niche that they fill with this experience. It's like a puzzle platformer with great characters and great puzzles. Uh, they add a lot of, um, uh, you know, portals. It's got a kind of a portal vibe um, in this uh, latest iteration. So, you know, you're, you're still moving things around with a wizard or bashing through things with a big uh, fat knight or uh, um, using uh, your archery skills as kind of this stealthy thief. And, and you uh, swap them on the fly, right? You like it, yeah. each puzzle kind of requires the, them to cooperate, and you yep. still the same from the earlier games, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. But you know, this time they they've added a whole bunch of these uh, oversized animal uh, characters that you talk to, so it looks like you're. It's it, it, plus it's beautiful. I've been playing it on the Switch again, and it's still gorgeous on the big screen. I've been uh, tweeting a little bit about it, but it's just it's breathtaking. They've, you know, I think because. There's a simplicity to the design, not unlike uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, you know, where you can just really get into the details in the background and, and uh, you know, add all the glow that you want. And the character design is really fun and the voiceover and the kind of storytelling is really fun. They've done a great job. So, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, that's a it's very storybook looking. I, I love the first two trines I played um, when they came out. I mean, this series has been going on a, a, a while now. Yeah. And, um I, I like you, I did not play the third one, but um, there's always been a real soft spot in my heart for trying because it was one of these first, it, it, it's almost like a subgenre now with these, these extremely beautiful storybook looking yeah. like, 2.5 D games. But I remember the first trying was one of the first games to do that and just going like, wow. Yeah. When you invest in, in, you know, putting all of your, uh, 
graphical resource into creating a, a two-dimensional view that's very limited on the screen, you can make something look just jaw-dropping. I know. Yeah, this is a, it's a really pretty game for sure. Well, you know, and we're also living in this era, and I don't know how much you guys have sort of dived into this topic, but, uh, uh, you know, the Sega Genesis Mini came out, and, and uh, I, I don't know if you guys picked one up or, or talked about it on the show, but it's, it's incredible, and it's fantastic to jump back into those games. And it's it's been a surreal year for me because this is my 25th year covering video games. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. And, uh, you know, the Genesis and, and the Super Nintendo were really instrumental in me thinking about the power of the medium and the potential of uh, programming around this kind of content. But, of mm-hmm. course, we launched EP with the launch of the Saturn and the PlayStation 1 and then the Nintendo 64 so there were there was a lot of 16-bit stuff that I missed. So it's been a really wonderful respite um, for me to kind of go back into this. I've started to collect a bunch of old cartridges. I bought I bought the analog Mega SG and the analog Super NT. Um, but I had a discussion with uh, Tom Kalinske on on EP uh, about a week ago. He was the, the former president of Sega when the Genesis was in its heyday, and uh, he was wonderful. But one of the things that I've really been thinking about is because there was such a move to 3D when the PlayStation came out, specifically under Sony's guidance, right? They really pushed back on developers and said, no, you, we need 3D, we need polygons. There, were, there was this whole generation of game makers that were just starting to nail the look of games. And if you play like The Adventures of Batman and Robin on the Super Nintendo or uh, Rocket Knight Adventures on the Genesis... Uh, you know, or any of the anything from Nintendo, they were just killing it with 2D design. And I always think, like, what would have happened if those people were able to just continue this iteration, you know, and maybe use the horsepower of the new machines, but continue making 2D games? And when you play a game like Trine, it's sort of like, yeah, that's what have, what would have happened. Yeah, yeah, we would have been inundated with just like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, we would have been inundated with, you know, incredible 2D designs. And we got them now, but it took like this generation, and a lot of those old developers didn't last in 3D, right? It was so frustrating that they couldn't make that jump and they left the business. Um, But it took like this whole generational kind of change and then a lot of indie developers looking back on 16-bit and going, oh my God, these games are great. Let's make games like this. Right. And so it's, it's it is has been a bit of a surreal year that I'm talking about Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo games in my you know in 2019. I never would have predicted that in 1995. Right. Yeah. That's that's cool to think about. But you're right. You know, games like uh, Or in the Blind Forest or um, Rayman Legends and these, yep. these games that are two dimensional but just utterly beautiful. And then there's the other hand. I, I don't know if you've played. Uh, there's a game called um, Children of Morta that I love and is. Um, a game made today to be a game today, or even, you know, even Dead Cells is another great example. Oh, Dead you Cells know, is awesome. Games that, uh, what if we just kept making pixel art and now, yeah. they, I mean, Children of Morta is just so detailed and the, the level of pixel art in that game is jaw-dropping. I got to get and, that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, you got it. I'm hooked on the messenger. I love Owlboy. Yeah. The SteamWorld Dig games. Um, right. You know, um, Hollow Knight. Just, we live in such an incredible time, you know, and it, get, it gets a bit frustrating when, you know, I look at a triple A game, like I just reviewed uh, Breakpoint. That's another massive game that I've just been playing as well. And I reviewed it. And it's good. 
But it's yes, it's loaded with microtransactions. So I post the review, and then a huge chunk of the complaints are, "This game is cheap, and it's filled with microtransactions." And how can you like this game? And you know, there's like fist shaking that I can read through the comments. And the same thing happened with my FIFA review and my NBA NBA Two K Twenty and and uh, NHL Twenty. There's a real anger out there for for uh, a lot of this microtransactional stuff. And I, some of it warranted, but in, you know, in contrast to that, there is also this, um, you know, independent streak out there, uh, pulling from the history of games and just making incredible brand new designs. You know, Shakedown Hawaii, I think is a really impressive, uh, modern piece of software as well, which is kind of like, uh, it's not quite the sequel, but it's like a 16 bit version of uh, retro city rampage. Mm-hmm. And there, there is an incredible amount of good stuff out there. But uh, yeah, there's also there's also a lot of anger at this sure. at this juncture in games, which is really weird. You know, I never also would never have predicted that back in 1995. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's dive into Ghost Recon Breakpoint a little bit because Christian, I know you've been playing a, a fair amount of it as well. Uh, why don't you kick us off, Christian, and, and Vic? You can you can jump in too. Um, because that's uh, maybe the the biggest release of last week, the new Ubisoft Ghost Recon um, that you know is also available on their streaming subscription service. Right. Yes. Well, it's not streaming; it's just a subscription. You download right, the right. game. Yes, you're right. Um, I, I will say that if you read the majority of reviews about Breakpoint, I I feel the same. Um, I I think it is. Uh, not maybe not extremely, but I think it is very subpar. I think it is a step back from Wildlands. Um, I think it's slower. The animations are worse. The character movement is worse. The AI is worse. The graphics appear maybe the same, but also a little worse. The plot is worse. The introduction of drones is doesn't up the gameplay, especially how enemies respawn in areas when you're trying to find them. The fact that you're gear leveling, but yet it doesn't really seem to matter because in any enemy can still be taken down with one headshot but gear limiting and rating is just to create a number and a carrot on the end of the stick to have you do something that feel like you're making a progression but yet it doesn't really change much of your loadout or your spec the menu navigation is poor uh i don't want to pile too much on because i do know that vic enjoyed the game and i want to hear more about that i think um as someone who loved wildlands i uh subscribed to you play for breakpoint i started playing it early uh, and the entire, of all the hours I was playing it, I just kept wishing I was playing anything else. I, I think it is a, um, a real step back for that team and that franchise. And I think pretty much every single thing about the game is, is disappointing. I think there, if you love, and I mean this sincerely, I'm not trying to sound trite. If you love like checklists and just having a million things to do, I think Breakpoint could be right up your alley. Um, but I would recommend picking up Wildlands. <laughs> and, and I did the Ghost Recon. I mean, not the Ghost Recon, the Splinter Cell, the more recent DLC, whatever that was called for Wildlands. I loved that game, and I, I am uh, very disappointed by Breakpoint. It, it bums me out. It bums me out a lot. Which is, I, I'm, I'm the exact inverse of that. I was very disappointed with Wildlands, and I don't know what it is because it does feel like they are two very different games. Um, but I felt like I was doing a lot of the same mission over and over and over again. Like I'd try to stealth into, um, 
every sort of encampment in Wildlands, and then some something would go wrong, and then we were in, in just in a shootout every single time. And uh, I I don't know I I liked the juxtaposition of technology and wilderness in this game, and I also liked being alone quite a bit. Um, I felt like I was, you know, kind of having to make the adventure up for myself. And yes, there was lots of stuff to do, but there were also lots of different ways that you could uh, approach the game. You could follow the mainline missions or you could do the side missions. There's uh, repetition in the game that's unavoidable for sure. Um, And I did go into the loadout menu screens obnoxiously, an obnoxious amount. It didn't feel like I was changing all that much for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I had fun with the mechanics of the game. I liked the, I liked the fact that I could stealth into the areas and take everybody out and be kind of a badass on my own. Um, and I, I love the visuals. I think they're great. And I thought the cut sequences were cool. And I thought John Bernthal was, was pretty damn fun as well. Uh, but I've been playing it alone. I don't know. Do you play Breakpoint with other people or do you play it alone or did you play Wildlands alone? How do you, how do you play the game? I played most of Wildlands alone, probably 80% alone, 20% with friends, Breakpoint exclusively alone. And people, yeah. as I was tweeting my displeasure in it, they're like, well, it's better with friends. And I think I made the joke to Jeff, like, stepping in dog poop is better if Jeff's next to me, because then I can be like, oh, I stepped in dog poop. And Jeff can be like, you stepped in dog poop. Like, <laughs> everything's better with friends. That doesn't... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I found Wildlands beautiful, but boring. And I, I think that this is um, beautiful and l- less boring, and it's all on my shoulders. So I, f- I guess I feel like more of a badass in Breakpoint, but I'm playing, I play, I've played both alone, and I feel like I would enjoy Breakpoint more with other people. And I know that I would have enjoyed Wildlands more with other people. Uh, but, you know, whatever, scheduling never sort of aligned for any of that stuff. Um, and I don't know if it's the lack of AI buddies because in, in wildlands, you always had your buddies with you. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, it definitely feels like a different game, which I actually give credit to, uh, the team. I think that it's, it's cool that we have two different feeling games from the same studio. And, and I know the other thing that's true about wildlands is I never had a chance to go back to it. I played my, I don't know, 15 or 20 hours. And then I reviewed it when it first launched. But I know that it got way better, and I suspect the same thing is going to happen with Breakpoint. I don't think UB releases a game anymore and just lets it idle. I think they they keep adding to it and tweaking it and improving and listening to the community. I mean, look at Rainbow Six Siege or the Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. I think we're we're in for a long run with uh, with Breakpoint, and and honestly, they they give you a lot of. Um, jumping off points in the game you know all the tech that they show off is pretty freaking cool i know it's ubiquitous in in uh, the ub universe with the I, my my title of my review was drones and knee pads because it feels like every every game that they they make these days really puts an emphasis on you collecting knee pads and and fighting off drones but um i don't know i had fun what can i say as, yeah, a, I, as a guy, you know, getting a little older, uh, I, I respect the knee pads thing, you know, it's <laughs> <these are> fragile <laughs> things. <laughs> I was constantly changing my pants in Breakpoint. It was like, okay, I got new pants, yeah. you know, it, which it was very much like Division 2, which I preferred. Division 2 blew my mind. I love that game. Yeah. But I, I can feel the fatigue, man. I can feel the fatigue. The fatigue of the fatigues? 
Yeah. And, and also like, I also think there's something to be said with when you find a game and when you get the game, like I took Breakpoint up after Dragon Quest and Nino Cooney, you know? So it was like, Oh, well, this is nice headshots. This is, this is yeah. a very different experience than these fantasy massive games where, you know, I was looking for potions and things, you know, this is, this is very different. Yeah. Uh, so Christian, are you going to keep your Uplay subscription or was this, was Breakpoint your Breakpoint? Yeah, I, I'm. I, I will cancel it uh, by will. I mean, I already have, um, and then I'll try it again for Gods and Monsters or um, uh, Watchdogs. I, and I think that's, that's a test in there in that very, very difficult February. It's, yes, February is nuts, man. Yeah. Nuts. But I think that's a testament of you play plus, and I'm good at canceling subscriptions. Good uh, for you. Like I played this game for fifteen dollars, and. My goodness, I'm glad I only paid fifteen <laughs> I think it to me, and I do think that people can have fun, and I'm not trying to say if you're having fun with breakpoint, like you're wrong, definitely not the case. I think there's fun I can see how people have fun for me, it's the biggest glaring thing that kept me from having fun is I felt as if the game didn't know what it was, and it kept mm. trying to be a million different things, and I think it did none of them well for the types of games that I look for. And so, yeah, you play plus it has been minus and uh, I'm, I'm happy for it. <laughs> but what else have you been playing Christian? Well, I should say, and I won't talk about it long. I did uh, <laughs> get control on PS4. Cause I wanted to see what that was like uh, to play on a base PS4. I only played up through when you meet Marshall to speak vaguely. Um, I didn't have to change my play style at all. Did I notice frame rate drops? Yes, I did but it didn't affect my playthrough, my play style at all. I still really enjoyed it. I found myself playing it longer than I needed to air quote to just try it. And I was like, why am I still playing? I love this game. That's it's all I'll say. Yeah. It's such a great game. It's um, so beautiful. Yeah. What I've spent the most time with Jeff, as you alluded to, uh, and to eat my own, put my foot in my mouth, eat my own crow for my tweet when I was downloading it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, earworm! You've been incepted. Yeah. Um, it's Call of Duty Mobile. It is a dang fine passive. I'm never going to be the best at it. I will probably never monetize at it, even though it aggressively tries to get me to with like three pop ups before the game loads. <laughs> My favorite thing about those pop ups is the. Uh, the icon to buy looks like the icon to just get to the next screen. Well, it's also uh, in the same location where that is get to yes, the next screen. In exactly. Many yeah. Yes. It's like clever girl, you know, <laughs> velociraptor coming down behind me. Tencent, Tencent swell. You know what I mean? Like they, uh, yeah. oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> but the, all that being said, it, as a gentleman of a certain age, th- this has a great age. <laughs> what? Knee pad age. Knee pad age. Uh, <laughs> I, I had knee pads when I was young. A whole bunch of different ways. Yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> not the best descriptor. Yeah. I was an inline skater. I've been knee pad age for for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, it uh, has like a kind of a greatest hits of maps. It feels like where it's like, oh, and I don't know if they're the same, but it feels close enough to make me be like, I love this map. And you're running around. Um, it controls very well on mobile. I'm playing on an iPhone 10R. Um, it looks great. And the way that Tencent kind of, and I'm attributing them, it might be Activision, but the way they kind of like 
unbeknownst to you start layering in bots when you start to play to make you feel like you're really good at the game for a while and it's something that Fortnite has publicly said they're doing now with newer players to get you that first win or get you those first kills um is really effective like my first few games of Call of Duty Mobile I MVP'd and like I kind of guessed that that was the case after my PUBG Mobile experience <laughs> which is also them but it's hard to deny that feeling good. Like, oh yeah, maybe I will play one more round. And then as I keep going, I'm playing more and more and it's the game, even with my Apple Arcade subscription that I'm still loving. But Call of Duty Mobile has been the game that when I have a little bit of time, I sit down and play. The um, Battle Royale mode plays great and it it feels refreshing to me to play a straightforward team-based shooter aside from battle royale um and and kind of have that in the palm of my hands at all times where i played a decent amount of Fortnite mobile um and you know building it's just a very different game than playing nuketown right like on on call of duty and so if you haven't checked it out it's easy for me to recommend the the while there are a lot of pop-ups to get you to spend i feel that so far um you know, it's not prohibitive. Like it's not super pay to win. Yes. You can kind of get some things that help you upgrade your, your weapons a little faster, get a four grip or stuff like that, but not in a way that at least at my level, you know, feels game breaking where I have the same weapon as somebody, we see each other at the same time and they win because they spent 10 bucks. Like it doesn't feel that egregious. Um, I went so far to download game loop and try it on my PC. I was like, well, maybe this is, this is how I want to play these quick. I have 10 minutes um, free matches. And I, I find it fascinating that this game is out so close to modern warfare coming out. And maybe that's why modern warfare is being advertised and sold on the back of its single player experience to some extent, where now there is a pretty dang good, at least in my opinion, you know, for the hours I spent with it so far, multiplayer and battle Royale game on the device. Most people already own it's, yeah. it's a wild world we're in right now. It really is. And and just wait until a, a service like Apple Arcade or Google Play Pass becomes an exclusive home for something like that. You know, yeah. it's going to get nuts. It's going to get crazy. I do feel like these subscription things are going to eat into this fear of pressing that buy button. You know, I wonder, I wonder, you know, how you, Christian, you described the experience of playing that as this sort of I don't, the passive is the wrong word, but but more. um a it's casual. in my pocket casual also has you know weird baggage associated with it as a word but you know th- this idea of i have this in my pocket i have a few minutes it i'm not super invested in this experience in the sense of you know i'm not on the edge of my seat whether i'm going to win or lose but it's a it's a good past time to pass the time and yeah. And I, you know, I'm able to sort of have, yeah, it is a more casual experience, but it's not casual in the sense of like hardcore versus casual. It's more casual in the sense of I'm, I'm just doing this because it, you know, it's, it's snack size. It's available. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder when we have Stadia and, and other, you know, X cloud and other services like this, where everything is that available at all times, you know, I can play. Uh, I have a great time. current example of the, this the the profound sort of future that we're going to enter into happening to me just the other day uh you have you guys played sayonara wild hearts yet yes. no oh it's so good it's on apple arcade um it's it, you know it's it's definitely a 
a mobile capable game. Like it's not revolutionary in terms of its technology, but it's just loaded with a, a lot of love, you know, and just a, it's a, a very arty experience. And uh, um, I've got the Switch version. Um, and I, I was, that was the first thing that I downloaded on Apple arcade and it's super fun. And I actually like the music because it ties into the game. So I downloaded the soundtrack and I had it on my phone and I was listening to the music. And then I had this realization, like, wait, wait a second, I'm listening to the music. I'm, why don't I just play the game and listen to the music there? And it was, <laughs> it was like, yeah, I've got uh, the soundtrack is cool, but I can play it right now. And, yeah. and that was a very big moment. It was like, holy crap, that stuff is going to be in our pocket everywhere all the yeah. time. I mean, I remember for years in, in the, the biggest, deepest uh, commitment level I had to world of Warcraft, I used to wish, you know, I'd be at a something I'd be do, somewhere away from my PC. And I would be like, man, I just wish there was something I could do to be invested involved in in my world of warcraft account right now i wish i could be you know just grinding some levels or doing some dailies or do you know do something with my character because i'm i just i'm thinking about the game i want to be playing the game and then blizzard released this app that's kind of goofy and lets you you know put your followers to off to do things and i would do that and i have done that for a lot but it wasn't really the thing and i keep thinking you know there's going to be a we're right around the corner from every game, no matter yeah. how complex is available to you all the time in your pocket. And you can play, you can do a, a quest in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You can do, you know, you can do a mission in uh, whatever, you know, Call of Duty, whatever, whatever it is, you'll be able to just, maybe that's not the main way you access that game, but yeah. Because it's well, on the cloud, you can just pick it out of your pocket and do a, a little bit right here while I'm waiting in line for something. The only reason it won't be the main way, it will be the way that we access these games, is because Google and Apple aren't ready to make that so yet. Hmm. But w when they are, they have way more money and way more user acquisition than anything that the other guys can match. You know, Microsoft yeah. and I mean, Microsoft and through its other verticals has that capability as well, but. Sony and Nintendo don't have the potential to reach the, you know, billion plus kind of market that Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, and Google do. And when they want that and they want to really turn that, that, uh, that key, uh, it's going to get interesting, you know? I, I yeah, think and, and different. I, go ahead, Jeff. No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead, Christian. I think there's different types of experiences, and I think you'll continue to see those uh, stratification changes as to what is what. Like, I, I carry my Switch with me most places, right? I have a satchel. I can sit down and play a game however I want, whenever I want. But I think there's something different about, oh, I have a little bit of time. I'm going to play some Call of Duty Mobile. If I get a text in the middle of it and, Jeff, you're like, hey, you know – Here's something important. I can fine. Great. Christian, I just watched you step in poo. This has been great with friends. <laughs> here's, a, here's a boomerang of it. Uh, yeah. And I, I would watch that. Or if my wife calls, answer that call, right? Like I don't want to be in the middle of a dungeon on Link's Awakening and, you know, and if the game to, pauses, why not? Because Cheers. I want to be focused in it and like how right. I'm doing and, and engaged in that moment. I think there's a difference to like the best analog I could think of it for, for me right now is like, um, reading a magazine versus like, a, like maybe like a GQ or something like that versus like reading a New Yorker article. I want to sit down and, and, and read or 
um, watching- I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong, but I do think it's also generational. I, you know, I think I've told this story before, even on the show, but recently my, I've been like letting my son watch football with me on Sundays because it's football season. And, um, he, I, I, bought a 80 inch television that is gorgeous and huge in our house. And I, you know, like that's my pride and joy is like this glorious TV. And he, and he's like, dad, can we watch football? I'm like, yeah, buddy, let's watch it. He's like, can we watch it on your phone? I'm like, what? No, I I have a television that's 80 inches. (laughs) But I think part of that generational shift too, is going to be types of content and how it's consumed. I think another difference is like, there are some Netflix or HBO shows that I'm fine watching on my phone five, 10 minutes at a time as I'm early to a meeting or something like that. And then there are shows that know I'm going to watch Russian doll at home on my TV. Like I want that experience, but like Titans, I'll watch, five minutes anywhere I can get it. I love Titans, but I'm not like must sit at home and see this on my TV. And I think you're seeing content made for those types of experiences that I don't will think do kids the best. think like that though. I don't think they, they make that delineation. I think that their access points are through iPads and, and phone, their parents' phones. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing at our house. My kid will, you know, sit in a chair with her iPad rather than us putting it up on the big screen, you know, and she she would choose that. that. Yeah. And, and honestly, this is, this is kind of crazy. I tweeted this out a little while ago and got a lot of retweets on it, but, uh, um, I I haven't bought Ruby, my daughter, a a console. I have, you know, like she's got access to all my stuff and we kind of play together. Um, except that I bought her an iPad this year for, to be kind of her first computer that she, she inherited an old iPad mini that that was the first gen iPad mini. And so a lot of the apps are starting to like not work anymore. And she's like, why does this not like, why does that, can't I access this? So I finally bought her a, uh, I bought her a new one, um, with the pen support so she can draw and do some animations. There's some really cool apps for that kind of stuff, but then Apple arcade launches. And then I realized, well, why don't I, why don't I just give her one of my Xbox controllers that I'm not using and then download some Apple arcade games. And it hit me that that's Ruby's first console. Wow. Yeah, true. That's the first thing that she's playing. And honestly, in this discussion, I think Apple arcade, I don't know how successful it is or what, but this totally muddies that conversation, that, that, that uh, idea that this, these, these pieces that Apple is curating are just mobile only because they aren't. If you play some of these games on a Apple TV, they play like a little mini console game, you know, well, or Vic, uh, I think to maybe highlight a generational divide even more. So I would argue that she might have thought or will look back to think her first console wasn't you getting her that Xbox controller for her new iPad. It was her old yeah. iPad mini. Yeah, true. She's, you yeah. know, they're, they're playing games on it. That's that's what that is. Right. Or yeah. they won't see yeah. things as consoles. All devices will be all everything. But I, I understand. And I think I saw your tweet because it really connected with me. And I was yeah. like, that's what we think it is. Here's this dual analog quad shoulder button four yes. face button thing yeah. interact yeah. with game. And she's like, yeah. like if in like my daughter, dad, I've been playing games forever. What is this? Yeah. Dude. And she finished uh monument Valley when we were on a flight. Um, I think she was four. We were on a flight to London and and on that flight she finished monument valley and i looked at, i looked over and she figured everything out by herself like how did you because i didn't even finish the game and i was like, how did you 
do that already. <laughs> but she's, you know, like they learn it. They learn the language. They they just figure it out, you know? I mean, I, I this is like, you know, old guys on the porch episode. That's totally fine. But I, I will contribute and say my, uh, my kid last weekend uh, had a flight and uh, we gave him my iPad for the first time. And he just would not stop just messing with GarageBand. And cool. I... I knew of GarageBand. I'm, of course, aware of it for years and years. I've never really dug into it. It's on my iPad because it comes preloaded. Dude, that is an extraordinary piece of software. It's amazing. I know. It's incredible. I mean, I was like, my three-year-old son has access to every instrument that humankind knows. (laughs) And he's like, you know – building songs and like you know making these really obscure string instrument sounds and like looking over at me like that it's like it's insane the accessibility of everything and i know it's like i sound like an old man but maybe i am wearing knee pads all the time you guys (laughs) Uh, all right here's uh something on my playlist that will make me seem more like a out of touch old man uh, I'm playing uh, a game on the most expensive console of all time, uh, my Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cuphead uh, just came out. It's the the big version 10 upgrade of the uh, Tesla operating system. So you put it on autopilot and you just play Cuphead as you're racing down the freeway at 100 yeah. No, you That's have awesome. to be parked. You have to be yeah. parked in order for it to work. But yeah. uh, hopefully someday we won't have to be parked. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, man, I uh, I plugged my old uh, Xbox 360 wired controller into my car, and I played Cuphead for the first time. I had not played it before. I'd sort of wow. been intimidated by it and stayed away from it. But I'm like, it's free. It's on my car. I'm going to try this. <laughs> uh, and it's extraordinary. I mean, it, it, it is... It's an industry, man. Like that, that thing is blowing up for MDHR and it's a wonderful game. Holy crap. They killed it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not my jam really. I, it is, it is really a platformer mixed with a bullet hell. And I was oh, never a so Mega Man guy. Yeah. I just, that's just not the repetition of like, Oh, okay. Well, I, I did that wrong. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I did that wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that has never been what I come to games for. Uh, so it's not really my jam, but of course everyone has talked about the animation and the art it is, it is gorgeous. And I just was amazed that it played as well as it did on my car dashboard. <laughs> uh, it looks great. I mean, it looks great. And the, there's the first time, even though there had been a bunch of games uh, on it beforehand, I talked about the beach buggies racing game on the Tesla that they put on that actually lets you use the real car steering wheel to, to steer it. Um, and there's a bunch of like old classic arcade games. I had never taken the time to actually haul my wired controller out of the car <laughs> to try it until now. And uh, it works really, really well. It's, it's, it's crazy how uh, I'm, I plugged a, I mean, talk about another thing you would never believe in 1994 to tell yourself. Um, it's uh it's extraordinary. I plugged a, a controller into my car and sat in my driveway and played Cuphead on my dashboard. Um, yeah, I mean it sounds pretentious to talk about, I guess, but it, it's it's amazing, and it's amazing that they're even doing that. You have worked hard for the opportunity to own a car that lets you play Cuphead on it, man. Yes, thank this you. Is, this yeah. is the best, Jake Z thirty two. 
in the comments. <laughs> Jeff loves his Tesla so much. He plays games he doesn't like on it. <laughs> yeah. They need, to put, they need to put Dark Souls and uh, what other games do I famously not give enough chance to that people get? <laughs> Did you try Sekiro yet? Have you let that kick your ass? Yeah, if they put Sekiro on my Tesla, I'll play it, everybody. <laughs> that, that is a humbling game, man. That's so beautiful, <laughs> but it's like, wow, I'm terrible at video games. That's how you feel when you play games like that. Oh, no kidding, man. No kidding. <laughs> Cuphead, I was just like, this is hard, but I also am like, well, you know, if I'm stuck, like waiting for someone in the car, maybe I'm going to leave this controller in my glove compartment, you know? <laughs> yeah. That is the, the perfect traffic jam kind of game, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. A few hundred deaths in Cuphead and I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was a, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool thing that they're doing that. Um, so I is recommend it, it. Is it? Why would you say, it, why you say that? I mean, it's 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 so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, but it's well, I don't know, even it, it is unnecessary. It, we we need the unnecessary. Holy shit, do we need the, a world where Elon Musk is, you know, wanting to send us all to Mars in six months? You know, like, <laughs> we we need we need a world like this. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's crazy. There are so many games on your phone that for an Apple Arcade subscription you got for free. That I know you haven't tried yet, but yet you went. I'm kind of mock mad, but now as I'm getting thinking about it, I'm getting real mad. <laughs> my car, dude. This one's on my car. I got this one in my car. <laughs> you have your phone in your pocket. Oh, <laughs> this is on my car. <laughs> all right, I'll stop talking about. It. I know it's obnoxious. Um, all right, let's uh, let's wrap the show up now. I mean, this has been a really fun time, Vic. It's been too long since we chatted like this, and I oh, I love it, dude. This is this is awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we we do have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Vic Lucas, tell people where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff that you do online. Well, we uh, transitioned to YouTube in 2016, so I've become a, a damn YouTuber, and I never would have thought that, I, you know, after 20 years on TV, I would end up uh, making YouTube videos, but we kind of try to do, you know, an offshoot of what we've done for television for YouTube, which, you know, is a little bit different than a lot of other uh, channels out there, uh, but we keep up with all the, the latest stuff that's happening in games and, and entertainment and tech. Uh, and we do it in our own kind of way, and we have great guests like Jeff Kanata has been on the show a couple yeah. times, and um, good stuff. And, man. Are you still doing the live shows? Yeah, we do it live out of uh, the Vancouver Film School Cafe. I've been so working cool. with the, the school on a bunch of different other initiatives, and then we we came up with this crazy idea to move the show uh, in into um, uh, a cafe space that they have, which is right downtown in Vancouver, and they put our brand on the window, and and uh, you know people walk in. I just had a, a group of people from Toronto that had, were visiting Vancouver, and one of the things that they wanted to do was come and watch the show, which was awesome. Uh, but students come in, and I've had incredible guests this year: Sam Witwer and David Hayter, and people that worked on Spider Man into the Spider Verse, and um, you know, tons. Every every week we're, we're bringing in cool people. But you can find all of us, uh, all of our stuff on uh, uh, YouTube.com slash EPNTV. Or our website is EPN.TV. Just take out the dot on YouTube and you'll find us there. It's Electric Playground. Yeah. Awesome. Man. Yeah. What, a, what a legacy. And uh, still going strong. It's awesome. You should check it out if you haven't already. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? 
Well, this show was live streamed. Hope to get back to it. You can find it at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Tried the new layout. I kind of like it. I think it's, you know, it's nice and clean pics and, and chat and stuff like that. But uh, it's again, twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Um, and then if you go to, this is how I'll say this, there's a bunch of ways to do it, but I think this would be a, an interesting one. If you go to YouTube and search for control pad, C-T-R-L-P-A-D, uh, you, you will find some cool stuff there and hopefully more cool stuff to come. And Jeff, I think uh, I'd be curious to see what people had to th- say about it. Are you becoming a YouTuber, Christian? Uh, it's becoming. awesome on the YouTubes. <laughs> you know, first yeah. of all, uh, YouTube is an incredible platform that is has fundamentally changed the way we live our lives. Yes, and TV is the dinosaur here, Vic, right? TV yep. is the dinosaur. People keep telling me that and when they, they, they try to console me and they say TV is dead. But you know what I miss about TV uh, is that people would just find us. They wouldn't even know what the hell they were watching. And yeah. I would have like families of people watch the show and then they would be like entertained and informed about video games. And I don't I feel like YouTube isn't quite like that. YouTube is almost like a, a catalog. It's like I want to learn about this and I want to learn about that. And Same I with learn Netflix, about right? It's totally it's yeah. like a purpose-based viewing more so now like there is still some yes. browsing but it's very different yep. it's like yeah go to this site to watch this like i have youtube tv i don't know what channel the baseball games were on tonight i started up and it's like here's the base here's the sport and i'm like i want to yeah. watch the baseball game i yeah. don't know if it's tbs fox sports i have no idea yes. it's just yeah. the thing it's it's wild i'm like that with music like I don't understand how people find music. I'm I'm right there with you, Jeff. I don't know that either. I used to read like Rolling Stone and Spin, and you and can know, someone and, program the clock on my VCR. Terrible. I like I put on I like I feel like I listen to such a narrow band of music now, yeah. such wide interests and and i was so uh, knowledgeable about music and now i'm like i put on the same stupid spotify channel or pandora station yeah it it gives me the same you know 12 songs and i'm like well this i guess this is what i like because i don't know well radio radio is still flourishing though do you listen to the to the radio when you're driving around in la the what now No, he's playing cuphead vic (laughs) he's playing cuphead when he parks that's true yeah no but like radio still you know as long as you're listening to good stations they're still kind of providing that service they're still curating and, and putting up new artists, so you know, as long as the POLS checks are still coming in. But uh, I, uh, uh, I listen to podcasts when I drive now. It's, uh, it's yeah, joy, yeah. you know. It's, Do you listen to my parting gifts every week, Jeff? Jeez, Louise, buddy. I- already stopped listening to you, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> already. Uh, <laughs> Things have changed in the 307 episodes, you guys. You guys yes. used to be so nice to each other. But at least we shout to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, Christian, is that is that the, the sum total? We're telling people about Control Pad, huh? I want, to, I want people to go to YouTube and check it out. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Tell us what you think. Um, also, I, uh, I have uh, some stuff for you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Kanata. Also, um, if you want to email this show, we love getting your emails. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you can send any information about, you know, things that we may not know because we're wearing knee pads. I don't know. Anyway, uh, also, I talk uh, about movies and TV shows on a show called The Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. This week, we're going to be talking about Joker. Should be a very interesting episode. And um, the show that I am just absolutely so proud of right now is a show called The Dungeon Run, where uh, I am the dungeon master for a live play D&D game. 
And uh, this last week's episode, I think, is one of the best ones we've ever done. I am so proud of it. It is an extraordinary, uh, really fun, fun fight. This this crazy thing at the bottom of the ocean. The players just so smartly took it took it down and had so much fun. I just was so entertained being a part of it. And then the end of the show is this really emotional wallop that we, we go through. Uh, I urge you to give the show a shot. I know it's long. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to get hooked. Uh, check it out. It's the dungeon run. You can find it on this website called YouTube, which I think we can <laughs> to. Um, search for the dungeon run on YouTube. You can also listen to it as an audio podcast. That's a great way to digest it. Cause it's so long. Um, or you can watch us live on Wednesday nights at 6 PM Pacific time on caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Victor Lucas, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Absolutely. Uh, I think they should go see Joker. I think they should see Joaquin Phoenix. Um, act his ass off in this movie and uh you're gonna be affected by it and i understand people that hate it and i also understand people that think it's a masterpiece um it is loaded with um homages to uh previous incredible work mostly by martin scorsese um and it's not perfect but it is um it's very ambitious and it's beautifully made and uh, it will haunt you, I think, afterwards. It, it maybe, maybe in a in some negative ways. Maybe in because uh, uh, I have have been hearing from a lot of friends that hate the movie. But I, you know what? I think that's cool. I think that it's cool that it's a it's a film that has that gives people such a visceral, um, you know, reaction. Where I, I'm a huge fan of superhero films, but they've been kind of consistent. You know, and you kind of can predict how you're going to feel when you walk out of a superhero film. I don't know if you can really do that with this movie. And I think that's one of the great values of it. So I encourage everybody to see it no matter what they've been reading or fearing or whatever. Um, it, it, but it's not for kids. Don't take your, don't take your kid to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think a kid, I think a kid would be bored through a lot of it, you know? A lot of it, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like a, a, a real character piece. It's not... You know, it's well, not a superhero movie where there's an action set piece every 15 minutes. No, it's it definitely is very introspective. And and honestly, uh, if you took a kid to see Joker, it would be kind of uh, Joker style abuse in a way. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, but the other thing that I wanted to punch up is The Expanse season four is coming soon to Amazon. And if anybody has uh, missed on that show or slept on that show, don't. It's uh it's incredible. It's like it mixes pulp noir, detective type fiction with great science fiction that uh, uh, feels rooted in, in um, logic. And uh, a lot of the, the space travel and the uh, uh, effects of gravity and, and the uh, interplanetary political kind of quagmire that might happen if we start to colonize different parts of our solar system. Uh, it all feels real and believable. And, and I, I've just been. It, it's not quite Battlestar Galactica caliber, but it's close to that. Mm. Cool. That's The Expanse, and it's available on Amazon. That's right. Christian Spicer, what about you? So, Jeff, this is a a, a music recommendation. Maybe if you're looking for new music, you feel like you're in a rut, maybe? I don't know, I have a feeling that you might be. Um, the early November. Pop-punk? What? Is it pop punk? I mean, 
it's of that origin, but no, this album is not pop punk. Um, that is where this band I mean, started, yes, but, but no, this album is not. It's early November, the new album Lilac. This is how they described it in a tweet, and I, I think it's it's beautiful. I, I cannot recommend this album enough. It's one of, if not the favorite, my favorite album of the year. And how they described it is creating this record was a journey. What we thought was finished more than a year ago didn't feel quite right. So we went back, reapproached, reimagined, and found what the record was meant to be. We think you can feel the journey while listening to the record. It's about unbearable darkness, but mostly about unstoppable light. It's about depression, but more than anything, hope. It's about not giving up. It's about life. It's a journey that may feel familiar to some. It's a record as much for you as it is for us. Um, wow, it's brand new, too. It just came out. I'm downloading it right now. Yeah, I think it's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. And um, early November, Lilac, give it a give it a spin. That's hmm. cool. Very cool. We got a listener suggested parting gift. Uh, this one seems very appropriate. The listener uh, only identified themselves as J S H C K. So I don't know the actual name, but thank you for sending this to dlcfeedback at gmail dot com. Uh, there's actually two. One uh, he or she notes as being christian oriented as in uh, christian spicer uh as a longtime fan of metal and punk i'd recommend blount trauma blount or is it blunt uh as a very unknown and underrated pop punk record from the 90s also anything by pulley or 10 foot pole is fantastic christian you're uh, familiar 10 foot pole is the only one i'm familiar with i will check out the others Blount trauma. It's B L O U N T. He writes here, but I don't know. I don't know if it's blunt trauma. Anyway, uh, and then Jeff oriented. Uh, it says spend some time in Canada. <laughs> just like one of us, I'd recommend the TV show Letter Kenny for a hilarious and surprisingly accurate depiction of rural Ontario culture. Um, so thanks to Mr. Victor Lucas, I did spend quite a lot of time you, in Canada. You did, and yes. I loved it. I, I loved it. You're due for another visit to Vancouver, my friend. I am. I would love that. Um, but uh, thank you very much, JSH, for uh, sending this in. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, feel free to send it in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We'd love to hear it. Uh, my parting gift, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but this is one of the books that I listened to while I was on uh, on my my recovery period, uh, just listening to audiobooks. Um, this actually was gifted to me by someone named Walt. And I don't know if Walt was a fan of this show or slash filmcast or whatever, but I'm grateful to Walt for sending it to me. Uh, it's a book called Sendlin Ascends. It's a fantasy novel, uh, maybe more steampunky than fantasy, but it, it, it's a fantasy novel uh, about uh, a very unlikely hero, sort of this bookish uh, teacher who goes with his wife on a vacation to the most amazing place in the world, this, this place called the Tower of Babel, which is this giant mythical tower where every level is its own country, its own kingdom. They call it a ringdom as, it, as you go up. And uh, it's sort of this like Alice in Wonderland adventure of going up and up and up this tower. And each level has just got completely new rules and a new culture the thing I like most about this book, Senlin Ascends, is that the prose is just wonderful. It is beautifully written. The plot itself is 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 crazy and interesting, but the the way it's written, the just the words, the sentences are beautiful, and I highly recommend just um, just checking it out for the and the audiobook version is excellent. Uh, Senlin Ascends, I recommend. Awesome. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Victor Lucas and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Uh, Thank you to all the folks hanging out in our live chat. You guys make the show better in real time, and we appreciate it. And thank you to each and every one of you who downloads the show. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.